Welcome back, y'all, to episode 126 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. The intention of this podcast is to inform you as well as entertain. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. So today we're going to be covering a little bit in detail the unfortunate passing of Grant Wall. What happened on December 8th, the lead up to it, and some potential theories of what people are saying. So let's go. So when we kind of break in through the information, I kind of did a little bit of a deep dive on Grant Wall. Unfortunately, he passed away. Um during the Argentina-Netherlands game, which was considered to be one of the greatest games, I think, in World Cup history. And as, um, you know, I was looking into Grant Wall's Twitter feed and kind of what he was doing up to point of, because he was in Qatar covering. Grant Wall has been covering soccer for the last 20 years. He's also noted for actually making soccer, soccer popular within the United States. He's known both in the college basketball community and soccer community. He's worked with Sports Illustrated, um, CBS Sports, and he also has his own website on Substack that kind of gets into different aspects of um, soccer. So I want to break this down into categories that we can really use to identify what happened. The first is what is known. So the last tweet that Grant indicated was on 3 p.m. I think East Coast time whenever... Um, Netherlands scored that phenomenal goal, scored that phenomenal goal where we have them kind of going off the PK, looking in and seeing, you know, how incredible it was. Now, this goal was amazing because of how they set it up through the free kick. Now, Grant would have ended up dying in the press box, but one of his last tweets was in reference to this goal. And when you look at it, you know, you can kind of indicate from this point on, he's been watching the soccer match. Nothing from now has given him any issues. So whenever, what as he was tweeting about this goal, you know, his last point of reference was just an incredible design set piece goal by the Netherlands. So that was kind of the last moments. And if you read that, it's not indicating anything of Mel Health. You'd say he's there, he's watching the game, he's in the press box covering soccer like he's been doing for the last 20 years. Now, leading up to this, There'd been some issues both with his health as well as what was going on with Qatar's political, um, I guess, social politics of what they were playing. So if we kind of look through later on in the week, we know that Grant Wall was having health issues and he even referenced it during his podcast. Some tasty matchups on offer here. Yeah, just truly heavyweight matchups coming. We're going to talk about each one of them. I am very excited. And I took some time off myself. We had two days here without games after 17 straight days of games. And my body, I think, told me, even after the U.S. went out, dude, you are not sleeping enough. And it rebelled on me. And so I've had a case of bronchitis this week. I've been to the medical clinic at the media center twice now including today i'm feeling better today i basically canceled everything on this thursday that i had and napped 
and and I'm doing slightly better. That you can probably tell in my voice that I'm not at a at a hundred percent here. Hopefully, I will not cough uh, during this podcast. I'm coughing a lot. <laughs> Everyone's coughing here. In like this is by no means limited to me. Like so many journalists have uh, got a crazy cough. It sounds like a death rattle sometimes. Um, the only thing that's surprising to me actually is there isn't that much COVID here. I thought there might be a real issue with that. Um, we're not really seeing COVID cases. We're just seeing a lot of general sickness, coughing, colds. And uh, I can't wait to be on the other side of what I have, but I... Okay, so kind of listening to that, you're hearing it from Grant himself, which is kind of eerie because unfortunately he would pass away the next day. But he's talking about some of his health issues within this recording. And we're hearing kind of the fact that he doesn't feel well. He has some bronchitis. Um... And he's potentially having a death rattle cough. Now, when you kind of look at those different aspects, you know, it's interesting. So he wasn't in the best of health. Um, And you're kind of looking at the potential theory. And it almost looks like there's two potential outcomes or maybe more here. The first one is that, you know, Grant was not in the best of health. Something potentially happened. He's talking about how exhausted he is, how he's been working really, really hard. He kind of gets up there within the, the the game. You know, he works in there. He gets in the press box. We can see the tweet that I just read off. And he's kind of working as business as usual. And all of a sudden, like that, something happens. And then he unfortunately passes away. Now, when we kind of look at the stats of sudden death, um, meaning when someone just dies out of nowhere, there has to be kind of three things that have to happen. Number one, either the person stops breathing. Okay. Number two, it's cardiovascular, so something to do with the heart, whether it be bleeding, the heart stops, etc. Or number three, a potential brain aneurysm, where the the brain just completely, you know, blows a casket and, and that kills you. So those three things are really what is the most common of common deaths. And if you look at heart disease, you know, heart disease takes out, you know, 600,000 people within the United States a year. Um, and what we know is he didn't have any pre- Notions. We do know that he was vaccinated. He put on his Twitter account. He'd been fully vaccinated via Pfizer. Um, we know that from his brother's account, which I'll play a little bit later, that he was in perfect health up to this moment um, and something happened. Now, the thing that's kind of happening when we look at the reality of this death for what we do know is we do know that he constantly, he just, he died within the stadium but there was emergency forces sent there now the controversy that's coming up now is the fact that there wasn't a defibrillator within the stadium so a million dollar stadium and there's no defibrillator is kind of strange um another thing is he's actually pronounced dead at the Haman general hospital within Qatar so then he was taken to the hospital and that's where he's pronounced dead he was not pronounced dead within the stadium as a fact now when we kind of look at those things, we see the trajectory of it. Um, what else is known about it? I think that kind of breaks it down. So now we kind of get into the next phase, and I'm going to go ahead and play the audio of Wall's brothers talking about the actual death. Detained for half an hour yesterday before the U.S.-Wales game for just trying to enter the stadium wearing a shirt with a rainbow on it. I live in Seattle, Washington. I am Grant Wall's brother. I'm gay. I am the reason he wore the rainbow shirt to the World Cup. 
My brother was healthy. He told me he received death threats. I do not believe my brother just died. I believe he was killed. And I just beg for any help. So then we kind of look at the different aspects of it. It's very sad, but obviously, you know, thoughts, always thoughts and prayers go to the family. But you hear the brother really talking about how there was no health issues and, and, and he's in shock. You can really hear it in his voice, but there's kind of this thought process that there's potential motive. Now, the motive is really being started at a result that potentially the Qatari administration in charge of the World Cup might have assassinated him. People haven't said that directly, but that's what's kind of the undertones. And if you look at different things that lead up to it, people are saying that these things that I'm about to name off are the potential motives. The first one is the fact that within Qatar, there's been a crackdown on any type of rainbow wearing. Um, a lot of the soccer players were actually wearing rainbow sleeves on their jersey, and the Qatari administration told them to not do that. There was a full crackdown on it, and it was really serious. And if you had been wearing them, they were going to kick you out and send you back home and not allow you to play. So we already have the intent of aggressiveness. So at the beginning of, of kind of the game, what we have is, you know, um, Grant Wall goes to the Walsh, the the Welsh versus USA game where he's wearing a rainbow shirt in support of the LGBTQ community. His brother is openly gay, and you know that's one reason why he's also supporting it. So as a result of this, he goes into the match wearing this shirt, and he's accommodated by some type of morale police that hold him for twenty five minutes, question him about the intent things of that nature. So first of all, it's a red flag. And and these things are noted. It's, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was being actually kind of taken down and monitored. Now, another result of it is Grant ended up writing an article on his Substack piece a few days back to where he is literally calling out the Qatari government saying that the Qatari organization doesn't hide their pale overview of migrant deaths. So we kind of went in and to give them a full analysis of how they were, they didn't care. They had no really regulated, they didn't care about these people who came to work. They didn't care about potential people who were dying. There was no real understanding of what happened. Now, when you look at his piece on Substack, I think you actually have to pay, but he's kind of talking about, I'm just going to read a couple of few of his opening sentences. He says, The Supreme Committee in charge of Qatar World Cup doesn't care that the Filipino migrants who died in Saudi Arabia training restore training restored during the group stage. He suffered a fatal blow to the head during a fall in a Fort Lake accident. Information that kept under wraps. So he's kind of breaking a case. So they're saying like that and the potential essence is the brother thinks that this could be um, some type of assassination attempt because you have that. Now, there is news coming out that another journalist has actually died in Qatar, which is quite strange. So what you have is you have um, Kala Amasalina, who was a who was a photographer. There's not a lot of no. There's not a lot known about him, but he was actually killed as well. So now you have two journalists not killed, but potentially dying under mysterious circumstances. So now you have two um, journalists who were killed at a World Cup. I mean, it's pretty 
it, I don't know what the chances of that are. I'd have to look at the data and see, determine how many journalists have died consistently in World Cup and compare it. And that might even tell us what happened. But there are a lot of strange things around this case. And when we think about assassinations, you know, I kind of really think about what happened with Kim Jong-un's um, half-brother that he ended up killing in Taiwan because he gave him um, a splash of sarin gas. And you think about that assassination attempt that was caught on camera, and it was pretty intense, and it was also to send a message. We also think about uh, Kajan Shoji, who was killed by the Saudi Arabian government and everything that, that created for it. So when we look at the intent, we look at the motive, we can kind of see it, but I'm just using these to kind of articulate how different things happen based on assassination and how messages are sent. Now, I don't know if he's assassinated, but what's really strange to me is the fact that we have him working. We have the podcast where he sounds like he's in good health. He's talking. He has some bronchitis. He's working in the press box as business user. He's tweeting and he just passes away suddenly. Okay. Now, if we look at it, we know it was later on in the match. So we know that it went into overtime. So if you were planning to assassinate him, you wouldn't know that this match was going to be in overtime, so you wouldn't know if you would be in that press box at that moment. Now, unless there was some type of slow sedative that was released, there would have to be some type of contact or touch that would have it happened. Um, so somebody in the press box would have had to had some type of content contact with him if that was the case, if it was a poison, you know, for the sudden reaction of it. So... That's one thing to keep in mind because this game would not have been going on in the overtime if that happened. So to me, that planning seems strange because if somebody was going to happen, maybe when they're leaving or when they're going or whatever, but we don't know what the autopsy is. And hopefully the body will be shipped back to America and they can do the autopsy there, not in Qatar where there could be potential influences. We know that he did have bronchitis, but bronchitis only leads to fatalities when it turns into pneumonia and you can no longer breathe and you essentially die on your own lung mucus. Um, that didn't happen here. So like I said, the three ways of dying, he either had some type of brain aneurysm or some type of heart attack that would create this sudden death for the most consistent um the most consistencies of death. So when we look at those data points, you know, there's really more questions than anything. If we do go down this rabbit hole of, let's say that somebody in the Qantari FIFA organization did plan some type of assassination attempt on him, um, we have to understand the intention of it because it's either strategic, emotional, or to send a message. And Qatar wants to have the world or the um, Olympics there at some point, and they don't, you know, I think if they have a reputation of potentially poisoning or killing journalists, no one's going to want to go there. So that's kind of where you have to look at it and determine what the intention is behind it. To send a message, I mean, they send a strong message about the LGBTQ community within this when no one else could wear those bands. Um, the rainbow shirts or potentially the articles. Um, if we look at the intent, unless we know for a fact that, I don't know this, but if Grant Wall had some type of more damning information about what the Qatari government has done to cover up certain things with migrant workers, or maybe he was working on another piece 
that could expose different aspects of it, you know, that would be that would be that would be enough modem right there. Because then you could say that was motive to stop it from happening because they did want to have the they want to have the Olympics at some point. So you look at a lot of different things like that, and that could be something, you know, if they were doing it and maybe what he wrote wasn't something they really agreed with and they had the perfect opportunity when he was in the press box because also too, you know, when you're in the press box, you're going to feel the most safe. You're not going to really think of any type of risks. You're not going to be as vulnerable as you think you are because you're surrounded by people. So if it was a targeted hit, you know, you're kind of running through the scenario of what is he thinking? You know, what is the environment he's in? But what's interesting is it happened in overtime. So the time point is a little bit different. I mean, I think if it's a strategically planned thing, maybe something a little bit different, maybe more subtle, maybe something where he's in the hotel room and he maybe goes in his sleep. But that's why I'm saying like the interesting thing is it's right in the open. So the flip side of that, too, is because it's in the open, everybody can see it. There's accountability and they know what's going on. Now, we haven't seen any video footage of the actual moment where it happened, but I read one article where someone said that, you know, he was there for one moment working and he kind of just slumped over. Um, but we don't have the we don't have the account and we do know that there wasn't a defibrillator within the press box, which is really strange. There was 25 minutes where they tried to revive him and he went to the hospital and he's pronounced dead. So in the reality right now, there's a lot more questions than answers. Um you know, the intention of this was to kind of go over some motive, look at what could have happened. You know, it's very unfortunate, but, you know, I'm going to go ahead and leave you with an actual interview from Frank Grant saying where he was literally has to be aware of what happens whenever he is um, working in other countries. Covering the World Cup, how do you approach your commentary on topics like this? I assume whenever I'm in Russia or China or Qatar, I'm being watched. And I don't think that's being paranoid. If they're in on this conversation, hey guys, I won't have anything to hide. If you're listening over there, Qatar right now, hello, my name's Robert Jr. My routing number is three. Send me some of that money. Go ahead, Greg. Just the other day, I wrote about what happened when I was in line to get my accreditation and the security guard comes over to me. I had just taken a picture while I was waiting of the, the tournament slogan on the wall. And he tells me, no pictures, sir. Kindly delete it, sir. And it's not a huge thing, but it does give you a sense of how the culture works over here, how authorities exercise influence and, and power to try and prevent things from happening. What happens when it's somebody protesting here or carrying or wearing a rainbow flag to support the LGBTQ community? Are you going to have security guards come up to them and detain them for wearing a rainbow flag? There's some miscommunication that happens and situations can escalate very quickly, even as Qatar supposedly is trying to welcome the world here.